Welcome to the podcast for Wenton Baptist Church. I pray God uses this message to bless you in Jesus' name. In our series on God's sense, we're looking at how we can tune our hearts to uh, the character of God. What is it about God's character that we need to adjust our lives to? Now, sometimes our view of God gets twisted. It, it, it can. It, we need to acknowledge that. So we need to adjust course sometimes and, and look at how our view of God has gotten twisted. Maybe somebody else's interpretation of God, or maybe uh, you've seen uh, someone in, in, in a church environment, or maybe somebody said something on TV, a, a pastor you saw, and they said something that didn't quite sit right, and, or maybe you heard something, you've, you've adjusted your view, and you're thinking about God. God always calls us to readjust how, how uh, our perception of who he is because it matters what we think about the character of God. It matters because it matters. It changes how we live our lives. If any of you have ever gone through a struggle or you know that someone has gone through a struggle in their life, maybe you know someone uh, who has questioned the love of God because of this, that struggle in their life. You, they throw the question out there, how can a good God allow suffering and so that hangs in the balance well we have answers for that we have a good answer for that question that permeates us it's not that god is a bad god and god wants to ruin everyone's plans god is identified with the suffering of humanity in the cross the cross is the answer to the question of suffering now sometimes these things shape our overall view of God. And for whatever reason, they can chip away at the real character and nature of the God of the Bible. Last week, we saw that God is, is a God who is pleased with us. He's pleased with our prayers according to his will. He's pleased about, pleased about the good words that we speak to him. He's pre, pleased about the righteous lives that we, lead, that we lead. And ultimately, he is pleased that we have a relationship with him. That's who God is. God is pleased with us. Can we, can we understand that? You know, so this morning we're going to look at a different aspect of the character of God, the, a God's sense to adjust our, our sense of who God is. And they say sometimes you can tell a fake by looking at the real thing. And this has held true for so long. You know, we've always said, you know, you can tell a fake by looking at the real thing. You know, the Secret Service does this, and they look at the fakes, and they, look at, they study the real $100 bill to prevent these fakes out there from, from happening. But did you know that's harder and harder and harder to tell what the, the real thing is versus the, the fake thing is? A recent pattern has been the emergence of what's called deep fakes. And a fake that's so close to the truth you can't tell the difference between what's counterfeit and what's real. Now, recently, there's been tons of memes that were created at the click of an app, placing uh, a certain politician anywhere you wanted, you wanted him. Now, we, we, we tried that out a bit and had to go at it. What, what do you think? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. We, we, that was, uh, so, we, 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 thank you, Jacob. We can begin to see that deep fakes, if you will, uh, when we look at the deep, the deep fakes of the character of God, that wait a minute now, that's, that's not just exactly right. Um, who he really is and how he interacts with his world and his creation. When we see deep fakes of God, uh, you see, truth's always going to win out. Truth is the very defense uh, of who God is. Truth is ultimately found in God's word. That is his truth. Truth always prevails. Truth always wins in the end. So Jesus himself said this about truth. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, 
but my words will never pass away. What an amazing statement that is, that Jesus is speaking to the authority and veracity and the truthfulness of his word. Now, one aspect in, in, in nature of the character of God we're looking at in Scripture this morning is his pursuit of you and I. God is pursuing you and I. And, and I really mean that. God is pursuing us. He's not coming after us. I'm going to get you. He's not like that. He is pursuing us with the desire for us to be made whole again, with the desire to see, uh, for us to see the truth in a world full of lies. God is pursuing us. Now, we have this idea of going to our destination. Many of you are familiar now with, probably more so now than the last 10 years, when you go to a destination that you're unaware of, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you, get a, you plug in the GPS, and it gives you a route. you got to go from point A to point B, and here's your route. Sometimes you have it in your car, you plug it in your car, and it tells you where to go. It gets you where uh, to go. And, you know, and, and, but if we turn around, what happens? We turn around and go a different way that the GPS is not telling us to go. It might say, uh, please make a, uh, in, in the safest possible way, make a U-turn. You, ne you never hear like, make a U-turn now. If that ditch, there's no problem there. You never hear that. In the safest possible way, make a U-turn. And it tells us that. And, you, and sometimes if you're just going your own way, the thing won't hush. It won't stop talking. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. I don't want to go that way. Make a U-turn. I don't want to go that way. And you just turn it off and you're just, you're free. You're free from the GPS. You're going and it doesn't have to tell you what to do. It's not your boss. You can go wherever you want to go. And so that's, that's what GPS sometimes. We're enslaved to the GPS sometimes. No. You know, have you ever thought about that? The GPS is the, the one thing that tells you what to do. It's telling you where to go. But with a map, you can go wherever you want to go. You can. You can just go wherever you want to go. But you see, for us, in making directions, we're used to using that. We want to get to our final destination. Well, you know, God has a final destination in mind for you and I. The Word of God is our, is our GPS to get to where God wants us to go. But watch this. Sin made us take a detour. So God had it in his plan all along to pursue us. Imagine if he had provided a way for each of us to come back to him. Well, that, faith, that way would be faith in his son, Jesus. But I want you to back up for a moment there. Ever since the fall, God has been pursuing you and I. Ever since the fall, he's been pursuing you and I. God has a great master plan for each of us to be a part of his, his, his great plan of salvation. He's got the GPS dialed in and turned into the direction, and he's pursuing us. And that pursuit is seen throughout the pages of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, the plan of God is the redemption of man. That sums up the true nature of the Bible. If you're someone were ever to ask you, hey, what's the theme of the Bible? It's the redemption of man through Jesus Christ. From cover to cover, you'll find that's the plan. And this pursuit is seen throughout the pages of Scripture. The Scripture is literally a set of GPS, spiritual directions on how God wants you and I to come back to him. But he's not leaving us on our own desire. He's not leaving us on our own to, to get there, to find our way back to him. You know what? He's coming to find us. He's coming to find you. And that pursuit is what we're zeroing in on uh, this morning. We're going to see that God pursues us beyond our brokenness. We're going to see that he pursues us. He values us and that he has a plan for our lives. He has a place for us and we can live right here, right now, all because of God's incredible pursuit of us. You see, God 
pursues us. He looks beyond our brokenness, and he sees that we have potential. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, 8, and 9, and several other verses across Scripture this morning. But Genesis chapter 3, 8, and 9 says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. You see, they had just sinned, okay? And here comes the Lord. Sound of the Lord, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, right? And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Those three words were the first missionary expedition that God had. It was the first missionary expedition uh, recorded in Scripture. It began right there in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3. God began his pursuit of creation even before this moment, even before time began. But here, God is pursuing Adam and Eve. He's pursuing uh, his creation. We see this first interaction of God between them. Adam and Eve had sinned, yes. And they were aware of their nakedness. They were ashamed. They were embarrassed. But God comes to them. God could have destroyed them. God could have said, hey, you know what? You blew it. You're done. See you later. Bye. I'm going to start over again. But he didn't do that. He came to them. He pursued them. And he even said these words. He said, where are you? God knew where they were. He, he, he knew he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knew where they were. But he said this to them. Where are you? What, those deep words must have cut to them because Adam and Eve knew that God knew where they were. But yet he was pursuing them, and he, he it says in Scripture later on that he made um, clothes of, of, of animal skins for them. There was a sacrifice that was even made for their comfort then, a foreshadowing of the cross of the sacrificial lamb of God. God he said to them, where are you? You see, that's the language of pursuit. God is pursuing us still. That language says, I'm still seeking you out. I still want a relationship with you, even though you went against me, you, you ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I still want a relationship with you. I made you, I made you in my image, and I'm not going to let you go to waste. I'm not going to uh, let my plan be thwarted because of what you did. I still love you. I'm still coming after you. I, I'm not, not going to let have sin have the last word. I'm not going to let death have the last word. I love you, and I'm coming after you. Where are you? Some of you may not feel so well put together at the moment. Sometimes we all, you know, we feel insignificant in our lives, and we, we, we feel like we're never going to achieve as much as the next guy, and we're just in the, in the rat race, we're trying to get ahead, get ahead, and you know, I, I'll never look as pretty as the Instagram influencer with 10 million followers. Boy, they seem to have it all together, don't they? Wow. Uh, you know, don't believe that lie. Satan wants you to believe that you'll never measure up. Any of us in here. He wants you to believe you're never going to add up in life. Don't believe that lie. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. My character is on display here. Where are you? I know that what can be done with you, with me in you. That's potential. God knows the potential that you, you have. He knows the potential that I have. Maybe you think your ship has sailed. I'm done. Let somebody else handle it. No, God says, I have you here right now in my plan, in my will. I am not done with you yet. I, have, I see great potential in you. Don't give up. God hasn't given up on you. God believes in you. He's pursuing you because he still thinks you have potential while you're on the side of heaven. Doesn't that make you feel great? 
God believes in me still. I'm still on this side of heaven. I'm not kicking up dirt yet. God, what do you have for me? What is your plan? God, I don't want to throw in the towel yet. I don't want to sit back and relax on life and let somebody else do it. I want to have a chance to be in on God's plan for my life because he knows that I have potential. He says, where are you? And he says it with grace and love and hope that only an almighty father can save. The father, the father loves you. Some of you may have a broken relationship with your dad. When I say the word father, maybe some tough memories come up of your dad and you, you wish things could have been better with your father and well now they're not. Maybe you don't have the chance to restore that. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He is a father to the fatherless. He gives hope to the hopeless. God is a God who says to us, where are you? You see, COVID has thrown us for a loop. God, in his pursuit of the bride, the church, he looks at us with love and compassion and says, where are you? The answer we give him will determine our outcome with Jesus. If we say to God, God, here's where I am at. I am relying on my flesh. I'm relying on my own self. I'm relying on someone else to take, to take care of me. Uh, you know, I, I'm the boss of me. If we, if we do that, we're in a dangerous place, my friend. We're in a dangerous place. If you're the boss of you, I'm going to make my own way in life. Be careful. Be careful with that. The Lord says, no one can serve two masters. You see, a virus doesn't stop God from working. If you're a believer, then you don't have the, pres then you have the presence of the power of God at work within you. He isn't done with you yet. A virus shouldn't stop you. A virus shouldn't, shouldn't shut you down. And Well, the virus has happened. The pandemic's happened. I guess God's taking a break. No, God hasn't taken a break. Maybe it's we that have taken a break. We need to come back to God and understand. We must stand and say, uh, like Isaiah the prophet said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, I'm ready, ready to be used by you. I haven't given up on you, God. I know I have potential to build your kingdom, Lord. Use me still because I have breath in my lungs. Recognize that God looks beyond our brokenness, what we've done in the past. He wipes that clean. I know what you've done in the past. I still love you. I know, I know how you blew it last night. I still love you. And how you blew it last week, I still love you. And how you, you, you blew it with your family, you blew it with your spouse, you blew it with your work, whatever. I still love you. He says, where are you? God wants a relationship with you. He sees great potential in you. Will you be willing to stand and say, yes, God, I believe that. I'm going to live for you. You see, God knows our potential. But he also knows. He's pursuing us, and that points to the value that we have for him. There's a price on our head. God loves us so much. A wonderful, valuable price on our head. You see, we continue to see the character of God in this. And we see this greatly uh, work played out in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. Well, I love this. This is a beautiful picture of God pursuing us. Watch this. He says this in Luke. So he told this, them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does he not leave the 99 in the open field and go out to the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and his neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. Why would the shepherd leave 99 sheep just to find one sheep that lost its way? Why, why would he do that? It's because every single sheep he is tending has great value to him. In Jesus' day, people understood that the shepherd looked after all the sheep 
He tended them. He knew most of them by name, if not all of them by name. If someone had a problem, a little, little sheep had a problem, he'd take care of it because he understand intimately those, those ideas. It'd be no different than the one who, who ran away. You know, there's, there's inherent danger for this, this little sheep that ran away. You know, watch this. Being the lone sheep away from the flock, that's, that's dangerous. We think we can handle it. I got it on my own. Uh, you know, I'm away from the, we're away from the comfort of the flock there. We're away from the protection and, sure, and security that a flock can provide. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to go out here and graze on this beautiful green grass over here, perhaps on the other side. The grass is never greener on the other side. You hear that? Maybe the, the independent sheep thinks that for a little while. But the shepherd knows different. The shepherd's coming after that one that has gone astray from the 99. He, he has not given up on that one little sheep. He has not given up on you. We wander off and we forget how much we mean to the shepherd. Our desires become greater uh, you know, than, than the shepherd's desires. The shepherd wants to love us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to, to guide us according to his plan and direction. It's that when we go off course that we really and truly see just how great the love of the Father has for us. He will leave the 99 for you. He'll come after you. He'll come get you. He, you mean so much to him. We are worth so much to God. God is happy when we're back in the family church. He's happy when we're back here together. He loves this. He loves seeing you here with the family of God together. Can I say that? It's not about me. I, I like seeing it too, but it's about God. God loves to see you with the family of God. He, God's happy when we're back on the right path again. The Bible calls that repentance. Repentance, getting back on the right path. Here we see the shepherd carrying the sheep and, and, and on his shoulders. And not only does God go out and pursue the one, the one who might as well be left for dead. I don't we'll leave that sheep alone. No big deal. I got, I got uh, 99 more here. What's, what's one there? He says, no, I'm coming after you with a love that doesn't end. I'm going to pursue you. That's how much I love you. Maybe some of you here today are running from God. I don't say this much. Maybe you're running from God's plan for your life. You're doing just fine but God is pursuing you, and he won't stop pursuing you until you are completely his. Receive the embrace of the good shepherd. He wants you to return to the flock, hear me, because you have so much value and worth to him. God pursues us because we have potential. He knows what we're capable of, because if, he ha if he's inside of us, he can do great things through us. He pursues us because we are worth uh, so great a price. And also, God's pursuit of us reveals that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. God has a plan for you right now. You have to wait 10 years. God has a plan for you right now. Are we living out that purpose? We see this in the psalm that we read earlier this morning. Psalm 139 says this. Verse, eight, verse 16 through 18, it says this. Your, your eyes saw me. Oh, I love that. I love when scripture talks about eyes. Uh, that's just me. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious are your thoughts to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand when I wake up. Now, that's a great verse to wake up to. God, you, your thoughts are, are for me. Your thoughts are toward me. Wow. Amazing. Here we, we have the psalmist King David recounting all the, the powerful, the all-knowing God. It, it speaks to God's purpose for our lives. Did you know that God has a purpose for your life right now? Uh, now, that purpose may change later on in life. Uh, it, it, sure, but he's got a purpose for you and a plan right now. Even before you were born, 
God had every single one of your days laid out. That's a God we can trust. That's a God we can trust. Are you trusting God? God saw you. I love that. All of our days are written in God's book and planned before any of them began. If there's anything that, that's a reality for us, sometimes even more closely and more acutely this morning, is that no one is guaranteed tomorrow. We pray for so-and-so. We pray for so-and-so that they would get better or so-and-so's family because they passed away. Sometimes it seems we're doing that, but no one is guaranteed tomorrow. But God has planned each one of our days. We need to understand that God wants us to live each day to the fullest and honor him. Are we doing that? Verse 17 says this, how precious are your thoughts towards me. Isn't that exciting? God is thinking about you. You are on God's mind. Did you know that? You are on God's mind. That's an amazing thought and terrifying sometimes too. You are on God's mind. He loves you so much. He sees. You are on his mind. He's pursuing you and he's wanting you, watch this, to live out your purpose right now. Not tomorrow. Right now. You say, well, you know, I don't know what my purpose is. Look harder. Look harder. What is your purpose? God's gifted you. God's wired you in a certain way. You do things that I can't do. You have a certain way with the way you live your life that I don't live. God knows you, and God has gifted you right now. The way you communicate with people, for example, the way you love people, the way you are gracious towards other people, the way you lead your family, the way you lead your business, your job, the way you minister to people. In your way, your passion, God knows what you have, and he wants you to live out that purpose to the fullest right now. What are your strengths? What are your talents? What are your hobbies? What are your skills? You know, what's your spiritual gift? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? My, one of my spiritual gifts is mercy. I, I just, God's just kind of wired me that way, to, to have compassion towards people. And he, and he wants me to use that. If you don't fan that flame, it, 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 God's going to take it away. God wants you to fan your flame with the gift that he's given you. You can even do a personality test to kind of zero in on some of that stuff. But more importantly, God wants you to understand that he wants you to bless other people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, radical thought. You could be a missionary for Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, wow, a missionary? Maybe some people think that's the highest and greatest pinnacle. No, it's not. But you could do that. Uh, you know, I love missions, and I believe missions is a part of the heartbeat of God Almighty. I'd love for God to raise up a missionary from this church. I really would. I'd love to see it. Is, is that your heart? Is Pray about that. God, wow, that's a pretty big thought there with where I'm at. And I begin, all of you are probably thinking about you're running off a checklist right now in your mind. Well, I can't do it because that, 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 and that. I got a family, got a job, got a career, got a retirement, da, 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 da. I got a school. God can use you. He really can. Uh, God, I'm too young. God, I'm too old. I have kids. I have grandkids. I have a career. Play, play the what if question with God. God, what if, what if, you used me in that way. What does that look like? What does it mean that, you know, that we are, are missionaries? What does having, what if you use me for missions? What does that look like, God? Does it mean we hand out plates of warm food to our church members afterwards? Yes, that's what it means. Does it mean that we help clean up the town of Winton? Uh, yes, that's what it means. Does it mean we uh, partner with other churches to build wheelchair ramps? Yes, that's what it means to live out our purpose. Does it mean we help support pastors in Moldova? Yes, that's what it means. To live out missions for God. Does it mean we possibly pray about going to Moldova or other parts of the world? Yes, that's what it means. Can you be a missionary at home, at your workplace? Yes, of course. You certainly can. 
There are also other ways that God can expand your ministry. Before you say no, make sure you have an answer from the Lord. Are you called to stay or are you called to go? God is calling you to expand your purpose in life. If you're comfortable with God, hear me out here. If you are comfortable with God, I pray, it's my prayer to, for you, that he would make you uncomfortable and give you a holy fire like never before for your family, for your neighbors, here and around the world. That's a dangerous prayer to pray. But I pray that for you, that you would be uncomfortable until God moves you, until you hear the voice of God and say, God, I'm, 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 you're moving me. God, would you, would you use me? God is not done pursuing you yet, church family. He's not done pursuing me yet. God pursues us because we have potential. He pursues us because we are, we are worth so great a price to him. He pursues us because he has a purpose for us. And God pursues us ultimately because that's ultimately seen in a relationship with Jesus and sending Jesus to us. God has a place for us. Revelation 3, 19 to 22 says this. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. You want to know how much God is pursuing you and I? He came to earth as a man. He came to earth in the flesh. God did that. He left heaven for you and I. And he, he charged 12 men and countless other men and women in the early church with a mission. And he said, hey, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again so I can receive you unto myself. Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and knocks, and he says, here is my knock. If you hear my knock, open the door. If you open the door and you listen to my voice, that simply means obeying his commands and listen to his direction in your life, then we're going to have fellowship together. The ultimate purpose is that he wants us to be with him. Did you hear that? The ultimate purpose is that God wants you to be with him. He's going to stop at nothing. As long as you're on this side, this side of heaven, he's going to pursue you. But there's, there's going to be one day when the knocking is going to stop. Where are you at? Have you never answered the door before? Have you never answered the door? Have you, you've heard, you've sensed God calling you, you've sensed God pulling on your heartstrings, you, you've sensed those moments in your life where God said, here I am. But you've shut the door on God. He's only going to knock so many times. God wants you to respond and open the door. The ultimate purpose is that God wants to be with him. He has prepared a place for us. Have we prepared a place for the Lord in our hearts? Don't close your heart to the Lord because things are different. Did you hear that? Because COVID, oh, I don't want to know. Complain, complain, complain. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Don't, don't do that. God says, open your heart, because church is different. It hasn't stopped Jesus from knocking on the door of your heart, asking you and I to be the church he has called us to be. What's it going to take for us to be the church that God has called us to be in 2021? It's going to take some radical thinking. It's going to take some changes. We can't do church as normal, church business as usual. 
how will God use you now? God wants to use you. He wants you to be with him. He is a God that is pursuing you with a passion, and he loves you. He wants you to understand your purpose. He wants you to understand your price, your value, your worth. God has a plan for you. Will you live that out? Let's pray.